This program has been made by the friends and partners of Jennifer LeClaire Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's teaching. Can you imagine if Jesus said, I'm kind of tired today, Father. Yeah, yeah. I don't really feel like praying for them today. I'm a big basketball fan, amen? I became a basketball fan when my grandmother became a basketball fan. It was the strangest thing to me. She said, she, you know, she's from Alabama originally. She, she has a really thick, she's gone on to be with the Lord, but she had this really thick uh, Alabama accent. She goes, I, I, I called her, I said, Mama, what are you doing? She says, I'm watching basketball. I say, what says, when do you watch basketball? She says, since that real tall boy came, they call him Sham or Sh... Sh are you talking about Shaq? <laughs> she loved Shaquille O'Neal. He turned her into a basketball fan. And because of that, I started watching basketball. And, uh, you know, I love Michael Jordan. You know, remember when Kobe Bryant came up and all this? Michael Jordan, though, I think is the greatest. He's the GOAT. Somebody like, why are you calling him a GOAT? the greatest of all time. He's the goat. <laughs> if you don't know anything about sports, you won't know what I'm talking about. But Michael Jordan wasn't always the goat. You know, he, he, he's the greatest, most successful. He scored 32,292 points. He earned one, two, three, four, five, count them, six NBA championships. He received five NBA MVP titles, 14 all-star games, but did you know that he failed to make his JV team in high school? He didn't make the cut. They said, you know, you're not fast enough. You're not tall enough. You're not strong enough. And his dad and his mom will tell you the story. He came home and he cried hysterically. He came home. He was a wreck. He said, I'm not going to do sports anymore. What if he let that trial, that resistance, that setback define who he was. We would have never had the goat, praise God, the great Michael Jordan. And it was just, it was just amazing. I mean, he, he emerged at the star, as a star in junior varsity after that, often scoring 40 points a game as a young man. Newsweek said he averaged a triple-double by his senior year, and he became rookie of the year. I mean, when he came into the league, all of the teammates on his team knew within two weeks he's way better than any of us. He was the rookie of the year in his first year, and in his second year, he landed flat-footed and broke his foot, and he was out for 62 games, and they said it could be a career-ending injury, but he rehabbed. What if he had just given up? What if he had not pressed past the pain and the discipline? I mean, here is the greatest rookie people have seen in a generation, and he can't play the frustration of the obstacle. What if he had pulled back at that time? We wouldn't have the goat. We wouldn't have seen all those spectacular dunks. His dad, my God, this is the most horrible thing of all. His dad was murdered right after the third championship. I mean, they just killed him on the side of the road and threw his body somewhere. And he was devastated because he and, his, he and his dad, I mean, that was like a major part of his motivation. And he actually retired from basketball at the peak of his career, 34 years old. 
retired because he was so over his dad. Went and played baseball. Remember that? Yeah, he kind of sucked at baseball. But <laughs> but he, did, he found somewhere in him something. It's called, a, in our terms, a calling, a reason, a drive. And after 21 months of baseball, he went back to basketball and did something unthinkable, thing, something that wasn't ever done. Did another three-peat, two three-peats. What if he hadn't pressed past that? He could have stayed in retirement. He didn't need any more money. He was making money off his own basketball shoe by then. What if he hadn't chosen to keep persevering, to keep enduring all the haters? And we wouldn't have known the fullness of the goat. But he also had a lot of failures, like personal failures. He actually said this, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. (laughs) That's a lot. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. You could say it this way. I persevered. I endured. I kept on pressing toward the mark to win the prize. He just wouldn't quit, and he kept finding new ways to motivate himself to push a little harder when he had nothing left in him. I love Michael Jordan, and the reason why I love LeBron and Dwayne and all this is because they have to really be at the top of their game to do what they do, even when they're sick, even when they're sad. It doesn't matter what's going on. There's a game on Tuesday night, and they've got to play. And some of us, we allow the enemy to take us out of the game just a little bit too easy. And we are in need of endurance. The Bible says you are in need of endurance. Amen. Who needs some endurance? If you don't need any, I'll take yours. Amen. It's hard, man. It's tough. I released a book this week. Actually, it comes out, uh, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday. But it hit, like, number one, and it's, like, three categories. It's called Discerning Prophetic Witchcraft. Let me tell you something. It's in, it didn't occur to me because I'm so busy doing other things, but it made the devil really mad. <laughs> and some false prophets, too, because they're being exposed. So I have all this chatter going on in the spirit. And, you know, you have to endure warfare. It's not just trials you have to endure. It's warfare you have to endure. And let me say this. It's not just trials and warfare that you have to endure. You also have to endure your own success. You have to endure the promotions that you get in life. Because to whom much is given, (laughs) much is required. So when you get promoted, the requirements or the demand that is upon your life is greater than it was before you got promoted. You still want that promotion? (laughs) You're going to have to work a little harder by the grace of God. Paul said, it's not I who works, but the grace of God in me. But guess what? You're still working. God's grace is sufficient, but you are still working. Amen. And so we've got to build endurance for the trials, for the warfare, and for the successes in life. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love endures all things. The NIV says, love always perseveres. Somebody say always. That's a big word. Always is a big word. That means come hell or high water. Come what may. 
Though he slay me, I will endure. No matter what happens, no matter what wind blows, no matter what hailstorms come, no matter if my marriage is falling apart, no matter if my bank account is running dry, no matter if my body does not feel good, I am going to do this. I am going to persevere. And the secret to persevering is understanding God's love for you and being willing to press past whatever it is to show your love for him. Let me just say this. It's not attractive. (laughs) It's not attractive for a Christian to walk around sulking and pouting. (laughs) You're like, I'm not looking at anybody. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about Ivy. I'm just kidding. Y'all are relieved now. See how that just loosens you up. The NLT says love endures through every circumstance, all of them, every single one. The Passion Translation says love never gives up. Weymouth says love is full of patient endurance. The Amplified Classic says love endures everything, listen, without weakening. Father, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church today. Help us, Lord, to grab a hold of what you're saying so that we can persevere through the good and the bad. Eyes to see, a heart to understand today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to talk about perseverance and endurance through trials, warfare, and promotion. I've heard few people talk about the endurance through promotion. (laughs) I can tell you from experience, sometimes that's harder. (laughs) Here's the thing. Warfare comes, but then it ends. Trials come, but then they end. But my success has no ending. Because I keep getting you, and you, nor does yours. Our success has no ending. God will keep on promoting you. He will keep on promoting you and keep on promoting you as you're faithful. And the more he promotes you, the more endurance you're going to need. So we need to take another look at endurance. It's always about trials and warfare. And it is about trials and warfare because the more you succeed, (laughs) the more trials and the more warfare you're going to get, the more haters you're going to have. Hey guys, Jennifer LeClaire here. I'm so excited about the love challenge. You know, the Lord told me several months ago to go deep in love, to study love for an entire year. Now that is a love challenge. We're not going to go that far, but I am interested in serving you by helping you understand how much God loves you. You know, we can't love others if we don't receive the love of God. The Bible says Jesus said that we love God because he first loved us. And so how it works is we receive the love of God. Then we're able to love ourselves in a healthy way. And then we're able to walk in love with others. You know, Jesus said to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And many times we're not loving our neighbor well. And the reason why is because we're not loving ourselves. And so more than anything, I want to see you absorb, suck up the love of God. The Bible says that, 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 that God has shed his love abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And it's vital in this hour because perfect love casts out fear, perfect love casts out rejection, perfect love and understanding of God's love for you will cast out anything that doesn't belong there. Little by little, you will come up higher and higher and higher. Your spiritual gifts will work greater. The Bible says that faith works by love. I want you to take the love challenge. It's free. Just go sign up and get in on these life-changing videos. 
Hey guys, I received a profound prophetic word on my morning broadcast about transformation from the inside out, about praying in the spirit. And I developed a 90-day program. That's right, 90 days to transformation through praying in the spirit. In this program, I share with you day by day what happens when you pray in tongues. I was amazed. I couldn't believe it. I searched all these things out in the Bible. Scripture tells us what happens when we pray in tongues. There's many ways to see transformation in your life. One of them is by studying the word, you know, but the other major factor is praying in tongues because praying in tongues releases the power of the Holy Spirit to take you from glory to glory. The Holy Spirit is the change agent. He is the one who transforms us from the inside out. Go now and take Transform, a 90-day spirit translate, uh, transformation challenge. Your life will be changed. Jesus persevered through it all. He persevered through Satan's spiritual attacks in the wilderness. He persevered through the enemy's attack in the garden. He persevered through persecution from the Pharisees. He persevered trying to raise up those unruly disciples, always in competition with each other. Which one of us is going to be the greatest? Mommy, can you ask Jesus to let us sit on his right hand and his left hand? They were, they were a mess, man. Jesus called them. They were about 16, 17, 18 years old. They were young men. They were full of male pride. Jesus had to endure that. I think that might have been the hardest thing of all. Drama from the disciples. Yes. <laughs> he persevered, listen, through the promotion and the popularity. He cast out a devil in the temple when he came out of the wilderness, and it was noised abroad. The Bible says the fame of Jesus went everywhere. And he persevered, listen, in humility through the promotion. He persevered in steadfastness. He persevered and he endured people saying, who do you think you are, man? You're just a carpenter. <laughs> he persevered through the cross. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking away, amplified version. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, listen, he, who's he, Jesus Christ, he, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross, despising the shame. And now, guess what? He's still enduring. He's still enduring. He's enduring praying for you. <laughs> Praise God. And some of y'all need a whole lot of prayer. The Bible says Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession. He's enduring. He's watching you going, oh, if they just read my word and follow the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't have to pray for them so much. He will. He doesn't mind it at all. He loves to do it. But he does have to endure in intercession. Can you imagine if Jesus said, I'm kind of tired today, Father. Yeah, yeah. I don't really feel like praying for them today. Can you imagine if Jesus stopped making intercession? You think you got some warfare now. 
You'd be having a whole other kind of warfare if Jesus got weary in his well-doing at the right hand of the Father praying for you. Somebody say, pray, Jesus, pray. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's talk about the excruciating trials and the warfare because that's what a lot of you are dealing with right now. So every believer has trials and warfare. And the trial and the warfare can actually kind of feel the same. And the first thing you have to do is you really have to discern, is this a trial or is this warfare? And the reason that's difficult is because there's warfare in the trial and the warfare itself kind of is a trial. And so you have to sort of discern it though. Is this something that I brought on myself because of a decision that I made? That's not really warfare. That's a trial. You see Ellen DeGeneres. She's going through a trial. I'm not endorsing her. I'm just bringing this as an example. She's going through a trial. The entire staff, most of the staff of her TV show says she's not nice at all. She's nasty. She built this like multi-million dollar brand on being kind. And then the truth comes out that she's very mean. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. The reality is it's a trial. So is that, is, that, is that warfare? Is it a setup? Is it people coming against her because they're jealous? Or is that because of a decision that she made? Right? And every time we go through a trial, we have to look and say, what was my, or is this just warfare? What I've been dealing with this week with the witchcraft, that's not a trial. I wrote a best-selling book that exposed the false prophets, and they're mad as hell. Amen? And they're releasing all kind of witchcraft at me. And Jesus stopped praying somewhere along the line. <laughs> No, he didn't, but it felt like he did. I'm like, pray, Jesus, pray. Wake up. That's how David did, man. David, if you read the Psalms, he said, Lord, rouse yourself, which basically means wake up. Lord, how long will you let me suffer at the hand of these fools? Lord, how long will you allow them to chase me around the wilderness? That's what I was like. This, Lord, Habasha, 1 Peter 4.12, beloved. Some of y'all got a religious spirit on you. It's just bigger than Texas. First Peter 4.12. I can tell, man. You're like, did she say Jesus stopped praying? First Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you. As though some strange thing happened to you. That's how we are. Man, the trials, man. Sometimes the warfare, man. It just comes right up out of nowhere. You're just having a nice day. And all of a sudden, we're like a freight train. And, and Peter's saying, don't be surprised. <laughs> I'm usually surprised when the trial comes because I'm going along, having a nice time. I don't see it. The warfare, I'm not usually as surprised about. I'm more braced for that. But the trials, man, they came. you can't tell me Job was not shocked when the messenger started coming saying, your kids are dead, your cattle's dead, all your barns are blown up. He was surprised. He was not expecting it. We are less likely to expect a trial than to expect warfare. And yet Peter says, don't think it's strange. Don't be surprised. How many of you are going through a trial right now? Hmm. The rest of you are dismissed. (laughs) If you're not going through one right now, you will be soon. You don't like that. 
I don't like it either. But here Jesus said in John 16, 33, in the world, you will have tribulation. It's going to happen sooner or later. We're going to go through it sooner or later. It's going to happen. And you've probably been through many trials in the past. So you know this, but then he said this, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And Jesus even told us that the warfare is going to come at an opportune time. When it seems like a good time for the devil to attack, that's when he's going to strike the hardest, when we are not spiritually alert. When you're going through a trial, you can feel like the entire world is crashing in around you. But the truth is nothing can snatch you from the Lord's hands. Nothing, no trial can take you. I know what it's like to feel the pressure. I mean, you know those, I have a teapot. Anybody else have a teapot? And when the pressure of the water boiling in the teapot, it starts whistling. When I get under a lot of pressure, I do something else. But my teapot whistles. I've heard some of you under pressure. And what comes out is not a nice little whistle. You're like Job's wife, curse God and die. What comes out of you in the midst of the trial is what needs to come out of you. What comes out of you in the middle of warfare is what needs to come out of you. You follow me? That was good. It needs to come out, right? Because out of the abundance of the heart... So you start cussing when you are under trial. Uh Oh, I better not look at anybody. So you start cussing when you get under trial. And we know that there's something that's... <laughs> when I get in a trial, I texted Prophet Vanessa this morning. I said, I'm just going to pray in tongues the rest of the morning. So that concludes my message. We're all going to pray in tongues for the next 30 minutes. I'm kidding, but that's the, it's the pressure that comes to, 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 to conform you into the image of Christ. And what happens is the dross, what is the dross? The yuck, the stuff that is in you that doesn't look like him. You're being refined like silver in a fire and it comes up. Just when it comes up, guys, let it go. Let it go. Repent of it. Amen. See, the people from New York and Atlanta are nicer than the rest of you. Nothing is ever, see, when you get under a trial, <laughs> you feel like nothing's ever going to change, especially when you're in an extended trial. Some trials are like a week, but then there's some trials just like, <laughs> it's like, this is the new normal. But this coronavirus thing is not the new normal, but for some people, they, they don't see an end even to that trial. But the reality is the only thing, somebody say the only thing. The only thing that does not change is God. The only thing that doesn't come to an end is God. He is the everlasting God. Amen? When you're in a trial, it feels like there's no way of escape. You look over here, and there's trouble. You look over here, and there's trouble. You look behind you, there's a whole lot more trouble coming down the pike. And you're like, ah! But the reality is, is that Jesus is the way of escape. Amen? If you'll follow him through the trial, you'll get there a lot faster. People letting you down. You feel like people are letting you down. When you're in a trial, it's easy to point fingers at people and say, well, if you had just done this, I wouldn't be in this position. 
You could have helped me. You could have prayed for me. You could have done something. You could have lent me the money to pay my mortgage. You could have, you could have, you could have. See, God will never let you down. Sometimes when you're in a trial, he won't let people rescue you. When you're in warfare, sometimes he won't let people fight for you. I know it sounds contrary, but there are some battles, beloved, that you do have to fight for yourself. There are some victories that you do have to gain for yourself so that you can learn. (laughs) Sometimes you feel like God's going to let you down, but God will never let you down. So the devil always kicks you when you're down. When you're going through trials and warfare, you have to be intentional. Listen about what you think, about what you say, and about how you spend your time. Very intentional. You need to be aware. Now, you know you're in a trial, so then do what you know. Do what you know to do. Hear my words echoing in your spirit next time you go through a trial. First thing you need to do is draw near to God. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. I'm like, is that God coming? We say, draw near to He's like, here I come. <laughs> I'm running. Draw near to God. See, the Bible says in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. King James says, draw nigh. I don't know what, what, how to draw nigh, but I can draw near. They draw near to God. Many people turn from God during trials and warfare. How many of you know, you just don't want to pray? Mm. I mean, you get in a real serious trial. You're like, Praise the Lord. Oh. People want to come and give you all these pat answers, all these spiritual platitudes. Well, just rejoice in the Lord, sister. You rejoice. (laughs) (laughs) We live in a digital era in which we can have friends all over the globe. Yet true, deep, personal connections are hard to come by in a busy world. And finding a church that offers prophetic revelation and practical keys to overcome the enemy's plans for your life can be difficult in a seeker-friendly church world. Enter ahop.online, an outreach of Awakening House of Prayer. We're a global community of believers passionately pursuing God's presence. We're a prophetic church where the Holy Spirit moves. We empower you to live a supernatural breakthrough lifestyle. Get connected and make true connections in the Awakening House of Prayer global family. If you can't come to our church in Florida, come to our church online. At Jennifer LeClaire Ministries, our heart is to sow into the lives of people who may never otherwise hear the gospel of Christ or break out of bondage. Although we've traveled to dozens of nations in strategic missions to evangelize and equip believers, there's more work to do than we can possibly get done by ourselves. That's why JLM is partnering with ministries around the world to help them do what they do best. We're partnering with ministries in India that are transforming the lives of people with leprosy. Ministries in Africa that are bringing clean water to the masses. Global ministries taking the hope of the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
Messiah-centered ministries in Israel that are doing the work of Christ in the Middle East. Ministries that provide a hand of hope to hurting people in America's inner cities and the nations. When you sow into JLM, you are sowing into the work of God in the nations. Together, we're better. Will you partner with us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to feed hungry people, to bring hope to the addicted, and more? You can sow a seed today at jenniferleclair.org slash missions. Thank you for your partnership.